Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia, and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi, Mila. Hello. Today's episode, episode 54, is Arthur's Bane Part 2. Our Bane. Yes, it's breaking me. This block of episodes is breaking me. The synopsis for this episode is ancient prophecies of Mordred weigh heavily on Merlin. Still vague. Straight into the point. <laughs> Straight into the point of vagueness. Straight into the point, but really vague. A short little sentence. It's like, look, there's some prophecies and it's a problem. Look, this is what's happening. I've got some housekeeping from the last episode and this episode, it's a mix. Okay. Okay. We haven't had a commentary in a while. So what we have to go on a lot of the time is our production instincts. Yes. About what's happening on set. And then our storytelling instincts about what the story's doing. Commentaries help to clarify things that we're not necessarily privy to because we didn't make the show. Yes. We make every everything that we say and that we speculate here, we make it up inside our heads. Yeah. Do you believe it? So I'm really excited that there was a commentary for this episode. It is my favorite commentary so far. All right. It was Colin Morgan and Alexander Vlahos. This commentary has made me an Alexander Vlahos fan because item one to start with is it's clear to me how much research he's done. He referenced every episode of Merlin during this commentary. I swear to God, he's like watched it more than I have. And as well, he should because he's playing a character that existed before he came on the show. Right. How much work and research he did. I really appreciate that. The more I look at his face in this episode, the more I'm like, he really looks like Asa Butterfield, who played young Mordred. It creeps me out almost that they look so alike. <laughs> you know what? On last episode, when I suspected that he was Mordred and he confirmed it at the end of the episode, I went to look because I thought it was the same person that grew up. <laughs> I was like, it hasn't been enough time. There wasn't enough time, right? <laughs> right. That's what I thought. But I was like... Maybe had I don't know. Right, so bizarre. It looks they look a lot alike. They look. He looks like he could be the young adult, old teenager version of that kid. Yeah. Other things that I want to point out before we get really into this episode is just like funny things about how listening to this commentary, I felt like they were a bit like me and you talking about the show. <laughs> I'm so glad. There's a whole section where they're like, look at these, the set of these hallways. They were kind of being fans of that whole thing we talk about, you and I. Yes. So there's all that housekeeping. Also, I've made an egregious error. Merlin fans, I'm sorry. Ethusa is a girl. I am sorry. I definitely said he. Oh, you did? Yeah. I didn't notice that. I thought by the name that she was a she. No, I thought it was a pretty asexual name, just like Kilgar. <laughs> I was like, it doesn't really matter to me. I just want to be correct. Yes. Now we come to a point where I have to ask you a question. Mordred is now a character in this show. You can tell pretty clearly that he's going to be a big role. Do you want to know traditionally who Mordred's parents are in Arthurian legends? Which is not what's happening in this show, but I think it affects some of the vibes that they're trying to transmit in this show, like the relationships. I mean, is it spoilery for the future? No, because it, that's they stepped away from it in this show. Okay. Oh my God, are they related? In Arthurian legends, he's Arthur's son. Son? With who? Usually his half-sister. So either Morgoth or, Mar or Morgana. Jesus. Depends who tells it, depends how, depends... There's times where Morgos replaces Morgana's character. I mean, it really, there's these are all archetype stories. Right. 
the things that Morgana's portraying in the show are sometimes portrayed by different characters. It's usually a sun type figure. There's a definitely a vibe between Morgana and Mordred. And don't you think in this episode there's starting to be a vibe between Mordred and Arthur? Yes. And I was confused about that. Because I was like, I don't understand. I really just don't understand. Again, he's not their son, but like there's that kind of familial connection feeling. Yes. So anyway, I don't know if that helps or hurts, but we'll see. But there is this kind of feeling like he's stuck between Morgana and Arthur for some reason. Right. So anyway, part two of this, this is a big episode. There's no answers about the alien. (laughs) You shouldn't listen to it now because I think I fear they might give some things away for the future. But you should listen to this commentary just for the moment that Colin's never seen this episode. That's usually the case when he's doing commentaries. I'm going to guess because he's so busy filming that he doesn't have time to see the cuts. She came on screen and he goes, oh. (laughs) And then Alexander was like, yeah, you've heard a lot of people trying to describe this to you and everyone describes it differently. He said that one description was Conehead. But I do want to give it up to Josette Simon, who played this and I didn't realize at the time like it's obvious to me now that I'm saying it it's obvious to me now that I'm saying it this was Josette in a mocap suit sorry that's motion capture suit yes I could tell I from the past episode I couldn't tell I thought it was all CGI but from this episode because it shows a closer up of this character I could tell that it was an actual person yeah She did a great job. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. And the voice acting of it. Also, Colin kept saying a different name from the DMR, which is funny because IMDb has her character as the Ookdog. And I was like, they never say that in the episode. Colin kept saying it. And it's in IMDb. And I'm like, so why is the script always saying DMR? I was so confused. I was like, what? (laughs) That is confusing. Props to her. Okay. Yes, absolutely. But also still weird. (laughs) Colin was like, wow, this is so different from anything we've ever done. This is a really different look. I'm like, it is. But he did attribute it to the fact that you do hear from her character. I mean, again, I'm I'm gendering this character. It's because a woman played her. I'm gendering her as a her. Yeah. I think Colin characterized it as this creature says it's the last of its kind. And that's why it's so kind of different looking. I don't accept that. I don't accept any of this. I don't know what the this alien is doing here. I don't know. I disapprove. I don't care. I, 100% of my notes said alien time every time it came on the screen. Oh, come on. Can you just do it with like human proportions at least? I don't care that the person glows from the inside. Why the head on that shape? Why the extremely long legs and arms and fingers? It's completely unnecessary. I would have believed that this person was whatever it said that he was. And he held all the knowledge in the universe if it had a regular shaped head. Yes, you don't get any answers about that. I'm sorry. Great. Moving on. We do get some answers, though. So let's, I don't know, get into it. Let's do it. This all opens with Sleepy Morgana. And you see a dream. You're used to dreams of Morgana's being a future thing. Is that what, like, what did you think this was? I don't want to spoil anything. I thought it was a future thing because I think that that's what her dreams are. So her and Athusa at the bottom of uh, what I'm thinking is a dry well. 
Well, and then I'm like, it's not because she told us that she was in the dark for a long time. So she was like closed off there. So at first I was like, oh my God, this is the future. And I'm like, no, this is the past. So yeah. So yes, I didn't want to spoil it. This is it. This is the the answer from the last episode. Yes, literal darkness for two years. So she was down there for two years, which if it wasn't clear, this is what deformed Ithusa growing up in this well. Yes, and exactly that's how I was like, oh, that's why you look like this. Also, I'm going to spoil for you right now. At no point of the series do we get the background story of how like really what she and Ethusa were doing together when they got captured. It's not coming. So don't wait for it. <laughs> I knew I knew that because they don't have time. There's no time to explain that. I'm sorry. Yes. Anyway, here's Ethusa coming to comfort her. Poor ruined Ethusa, the last dragon, completely just deformed. She's just sad. I'm ready to blame Morgana for this. I don't care if it's not her fault. I'm deciding I'm blaming Morgana. Of course I'm blaming Morgana. Are you kidding me? If y'all Morgana fans out there are mad at me, go ahead, write in. I'm sorry. Oh, whatever. I don't care. Also, I have a question here. How do you think Morgana knows Ethusa's name? It's okay. It's a plot hole I can live with. It is. There are so many plot holes. I'm like, how did this happen? We were not going to explain. How an alien got here? We're also not going to explain. I'm like... This season is starting with all sorts of like unanswered questions. And I'm like, I need answers for this. This is the episode where we kind of flip the relationship a little bit. You're far enough in for me to like just break down to you that I am confused. And it will happen by the end of this episode because I am. I need some answers. Somebody help me. But what I've got for Morgana here, I got a little advice. Let Camelot go, woman. I'm like, I don't know. I just... There are other kingdoms. Go find something. Go find something else. Go. F- You're sitting in a castle with men right now. What's the? Pro- Why do you have to have that one? Go find other people. Exactly. Just keep this castle and just live happily ever after with your own castle. And you can be your own queen. And it's fine. She's got an army of Saxons in a castle. Why? Do- Why does she need Camelot? I don't know. The winter aesthetic suits her. It does. But no one wants her in Camelot. Why would you want to take over a place that doesn't want you? I don't know. Really, Morgana, get therapy, move on. Just be happy with what you have. Therapy is the answer, yes. (laughs) So meanwhile, Merlin and Arthur are tied to a cart by Ragnar, basically a slave trader, we can assume, played by Stephen McColl, who's great. He's so great. Great in this role. I'm angry at him all the time. Arthur is just bitching to Merlin how this is his fault because he was hungry. And Merlin is actually stating a fact where he's like, I told you we should turn around before this so I win I was right first and I'm again I am ready to assign blame in this scene to Arthur I'm like the judge of this episode I feel like and I'm like nope it's your fault this is who I'm blaming officially when he said that I was like how dare you how dare you you were the one who was like no we're gonna go we're gonna keep walking it's like no we should just go back to Camelot it's like he's a hundred percent your fault Arthur This is Arthur's. I don't know what Arthur's thinking. He's not. Arthur's doing that thing where like he needs to offset his own feelings of guilt and blame Merlin. (laughs) And uh, we get some creepy Mordred who's just watching them a lot. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you do look like Asa. (laughs) Like, but he did say he studied really Asa's mannerisms and 
then like he and the director talked about it and like translating that through puberty and growing up and all that but he does remind me of asa in these scenes where he's just watching them with those blue eyes <laughs> i'm just like stop it pretty method acting i love it it's great it was very, he's he's equally as creepy as young mordred in this scene where i'm like stop staring with those eyes this whole scene keeps evolving it's like a whole journey we get to night this is the night for night shot where they're at the cart and they're at a fire and this is like actually night right and again i'm not saying day for night looks bad it just looks different than when you're actually shooting night for night you see the blackness behind them versus like thinking the moon is lighting up the whole universe right yes ragnar is basically being a jerk and Mordred's kind of trying, like, hey, we should feed them or we should slow down. That just reminds me of playing Oregon Trail. Like, you either have to increase the rations or slow the pace or everyone's going to die. Like, that's just the set rule from Oregon Trail. We've all learned that playing that game. Yes. I don't know what the point here is, like, to try to get us to not hate Mordred after what we've seen in episode one. Because to me, as a viewer, I'm with Merlin, right? This guy can't be good because we'll, what we've seen happen. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. And I, I say, I have here in my notes, I don't understand why he's helping. Well, Alexander was talking about how he's playing this character at the very least. And even though he's read the scripts and knows what Merlin has seen, when he's playing it and he's the actor playing this character, he has to come from a place of like, he has no idea Merlin has seen that. That's not the person he is. Right. At this moment, this is the person he is. We're just, I think, as the audience we're in the same boat as Merlin like watching this guy kind of being nice but we're like yeah but I know other things that he doesn't even know about himself <laughs> right we're su we're suspicious of him a hundred percent of the time I'm like what why are you doing this you have some like hidden meaning on the of about the things that you're doing and I just don't believe they are a hundred percent like truthful yeah and that's a hundred percent how it's being played from Merlin's end in this scene where he's just like watching them he's like not convinced. You're saying nice things, but I'm not convinced. Right. Even in the morning, you get a real Mordred and Merlin scene where he brings Merlin food. They kind of stare at each other. There is this moment of, and they did this on purpose. There's this moment where they're being silent and it feels like they're doing their telepathic talking, but you don't hear anything because these two guys are just like doing their stare. Right. He tells Merlin, don't be so quick to judge me. And I'm like, well, like I know some things though. And this is where he says, you fear me, Emrys, and you and I are not so different. He even, like, he's brought him food. He's being nice. And he says, your secret's safe with me. Like, I'm never going to tell anyone you're Emrys. And it's all very fascinating. I'm just, like, fascinated by how they're both playing it. I, I agree. I just, at this point, well, at this point, I didn't know. I didn't really imagine what was going to happen at the end of this episode. But... At this point, I look at Mordred and in my head, I'm saying, I don't really believe you. You're hiding something. There's an ambiguity that you feel because you know what Merlin yes. is saying and doing. And speaking of the end, we're not going to do the end now, but Alexander said something really interesting about the end where he made a concerted effort as an actor to play it in a direction. But then he watches them and sees that the, the director's always opted for the ambiguity. And he's like, I'm playing this. And the director's like, but we like the ambiguity. <laughs> and that's what happens when you're an actor. Like, you performed it one way, but the edit and the cut and the direct, like, you cannot control what comes out. Yep. In, in post-production, they decided that that's what they want. And it does play, it always plays ambiguous. I mean, Mordred does also help Merlin here. He gives him food. And he spills the beans on the whole, like, 
Morgana wants the DMR. The DMR is like the key to all knowledge. And Merlin's like, okay, thanks. Bye. Like, go away. But I'm left with all these questions. First of all, actually, I need to note that I love this coat. I love these cuffs that Alexander's in. And this turban is on his head because he had a buzz cut at the time. (gasps) That's so interesting. It was really interesting to hear him talk about different scenes because he's like, okay, that's a wig. There I have a buzz cut. It's really funny. And not that that's important, but we love that stuff. We do. My real question here as a viewer, and I'm like confused. I'm like, okay, Merlin is now tied up with a rope. Why the hell hasn't he, like while Arthur was sleeping, broken free? Because we know he's 100% capable of that. He clearly hasn't slept all night. (laughs) Again. He could just free himself from the ropes, free Arthur, shake Arthur awake, and like they could just scamper off. (laughs) I mean, you know, that part I just have to just ignore and pretend they're actually tied up. Because I'm like, I don't even believe it. Well, it's, yeah, because like Mordred knows. What's interesting is, Merlin has the prophecy, but Mordred also has his own prophecies about Merlin that he knows. He knows he's Emrys. He knows what that means. Yes. it's. We'll get more into that later. While all this is happening, back in Camelot, we get the dungeon scene with Sifa and Gaius where she's like begging for his help. He literally like is like, here's some medicine to help you like die easier. <laughs> oh my God. That is horrible. That is horrible. She's like, no, I don't. I don't want to die easier. I just don't want to die. Like, no thanks, actually. Can you get me out of here? Actually, I'll try to survive. Thank you very much. Actually, I'd love an audience with the queen to beg forgiveness. Just that that would be better help that you could give me. We do also get sleepy Gwen with the alien hiding him from the guards. Just I have a huge no with an exclamation point in my notes. Just skip over that. Move on. <laughs> I love how much you're angry about that. <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense, okay? The important thing that happens that does make sense is that Morgana and Ruidin have this scene together where she's like, get your spy to tell me where the fuck Arthur is. And Ruidin's like, oh, the spy, meaning my daughter, has been captured and is sentenced to die in the morning. And she basically says, it's a great honor to die for this cause. And also basically explicitly says, do not go try to save her. I don't have time for that shit. I'm like, then Morgana, you die. You die for your own cause. How about that? How about you go die for us? That just reminds me of how harsh the whole aggravating scene was a few episodes ago. Like, okay, crazy pants, you want to tone it down a bit? Also, I thought it was so rude that she referred to his daughter, which she knows that is his daughter, as your spy. I'm like, you are heartless. There's not one ounce of just goodness in her heart anymore. There isn't. And this episode, if it wasn't clear from the episode with Agravain until now, like the way that she was sentencing all people in Camelot to starve to death, right? We are driving that point home in this episode. Morgana has no goodness left in her. It's interesting because I accused Rudin of being a bad dad in the last episode, which he was in the last episode, but he's much more feeling in this episode. Like now his daughter's at stake. Yes. So the priorities change. You can see within him that like, mm, shift. Actually, now that the priorities are dying, going to choose her. And to me, it's just so bizarre and so extra evil that they wrote the character of Morgana as a person who doesn't even want to have allies. She just wants to use people until they can be used anymore. And then they just die or go away. 
She's not trying to have allies. She just wants everything for herself, by herself, and that's it. Interestingly, I would say Mordred is the exception. Yes, Mordred is really, ex- as we see later in the episode, she is really connected to him. Yeah, it was, this is all something I think that's happened to her. I don't think it's bad writing. I think it's actually like what I believe happens to her as a direct cause of losing Morgos. Oh, no, I'm not saying that it's bad writing. I'm saying no, that it was interesting that they write it, her like so evil and resentful like this, that she doesn't want to even have anyone around her. She just wants to be queen and and have power and be there alone in the throne. Yeah, it's all, this is all like a, the cascading effect of losing more ghosts. Right. She becomes more and more dead inside. It's kind of what she says to Merlin in um, Servant of Two Masters. Just because I have no one left to be loyal to, don't think I don't, I'm not loyal. Yeah. She's loyal only to her cause because she doesn't have more ghosts anymore. But like, how good is it to have a cause if you can't share it with other people? We'll get into that when Mordred appears. When Mordred appears to her, I think. Because still in Camelot, Sifa gets brought to Queen Gwen. Angel playing this very cold. Because, and Colin brought this up in the commentary. It happens all of a sudden because we do the three-year fast-forward. But we kind of have to pause for a second and remember. When Arthur leaves, Gwen is now the queen and in charge of all of Camelot. And the knights and everything. Like, she is decision-maker of Camelot. Yes. Well, she had three years of training before we see her on the throne. Yeah, it's just that to us it happened overnight, right? Like, we're just like, oh, she was a maid two episodes ago. Actually, she was banished two episodes ago. She wasn't even allowed to walk into Camelot on pain of death. Yeah. And now she is the ruler of Camelot in Arthur's absence. She's the regent. And she's very cold. And it's, you know, like you said to me last episode, I don't believe for a second she's going to have this girl killed. This is kind of the reveal. She's even lied to Gaius. Yes, Gaius is worried. He's like, I don't think that's the person that you are. Please don't do this. She's like, oh my God, Gaius. Like, no, I wasn't going to kill her. I was like, obviously not. And Gaius is hurt. He's like, why didn't you tell me? She's like, because I I needed everyone to believe. And yes, Gwen is the only smart one. She makes a decision and she doesn't go around telling everyone. So the decision gets to the wrong person's ears. She just keeps it to herself and does her job and everything works out. Obviously, more more on this later. Barring Gwen, Merlin, and Gaius, Arthur always chooses to trust the wrong people. <sighs> There's so much to be said about Arthur in this episode. But basically, yes, she set a trap for Rudin, not knowing that Morgana was like, Rudin, do not go. But I think it's... Um, maybe obvious, I want to say, the way that the camera stays on Rudin in the scene he has with Morgana, that he's going to go. Yes, I think that that is intentionally for us to know that he is thinking about, he's considering going to Camelot. And then we can talk about Camelot security one more time. We're gonna, because there's a deleted scene that makes everything that's about to happen so egregious, but we'll get there. Oh boy. So back in Merlin and Arthur's little jaunt through the snow. I don't for a second believe that Arthur's passing out and I don't think you do either. No. <laughs> You're like, okay, here we go. Escape plan. There's no way. <laughs> like not for a second. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not Arthur's style. Um, So the escape plan begins. They make a break for it. Literally my note is Merlin and Arthur have a plan. <laughs> they do. And I love that Alexander and Colin were watching this and Alexander's like, you know, when 
Ragnar rides up and says, who did this? And Alexander's like, oh, I love this nod that Bradley did. And Colin's like, that's hilarious. I didn't even see that when we were filming. Like, he didn't catch that at all because he's behind him. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But he looks really good on camera. It looks great. Like, Alexander had already seen it, obviously. So he's like, this is great. I love this moment. And Colin's like, wasn't even aware it was happening on set. <laughs> didn't know. Didn't know. He was in his own world playing Merlin. Like, he doesn't have time for seeing Bradley's interaction with somebody else. <laughs> no. It's it's even better because of him not noticing it. They make a break for it. There's all this, like, the there's great stunts. I mean, you know what I got to say about Bradley in these slow-mo moments? Is that he's perfected having a pretty cool face while hitting people. Because, like, the thing about slow-mo is that it always makes your face look stupid if you're not careful. <laughs> slow-mo is a blessing and a curse. It is. It looks really cool until your face looks really dumb. And you're like, oh, that's what my face looks like when I'm punching somebody? Yikes. And I think that you have to practice that. You have to practice your punching face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it's a fake punch. You can't just like have a relaxed face about it. You have to look like you're really putting effort into it. Just like fake fighting is a whole thing that you have to really practice to make it look good. Otherwise, nobody's going to believe you. Yeah. Again, another epic moment of this commentary is in my notes, what I wrote is, okay, they make a run. They get at this ice ridge and I start playing spot the doubles. And Colin was like, oh, there's my double. And I'm like, yeah, because like, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> We know. We could see it. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we saw that. It actually looked like George to me. I'm like, is that guy who plays George his double? There's a lot of egregious use of doubles in this, like to the point where I'm like, oh boy. That's true. But then Colin started to explain, like when he starts to use the axe on the ice, he started to break down that shot's in France, that's in the studio, that like, there was like four different times he filmed this. And it's, it sounds like this entire sequence was a nightmare to cut the poor editor all I could think about was like this poor editor had to cut so many things together that is crazy that is so interesting yeah like the close-up of his face was the studio that was like out in front I was like oh my god that's too many shots like they filmed it on four different days just him doing this that's like the thing about production is it's a 10 second sequence of college yes and it is four different days I was just going to say that all of that for 10 seconds of screen time that's like that happens but when it's that short and that many different days like this is when script supervisors who are the people who are in charge of continuity i mean like makeup has to be really everything has to be spot on you got to get pictures of what people looked like that day so they match everything like i always notice the makeup when they're all dirty otherwise if you don't do it correctly one of your four days of of shooting is completely wasted you cannot use any of those scenes because it just doesn't look the same. And also shout out to the makeup people for this episode because... Yes, yes. The frost and the beards, the the cold noses, the, the red, the black, the frost, like all of this, it really makes it feel like it's cold. Yes. It's not the snow that sells it. Although then again, like let me tell you, they did not have that much area covered in fake snow. Like again, this is like the hallway. They just are going over the same little piece obviously with different camera angles so you don't see that it's the same little hill it's like one little hill you go up the hill you go down the hill you go sideways on the hill next to hill over the hill <laughs> you're just like diagonally over <laughs> like is there any shot we haven't done any angle from this hill 
I mean, I think it plays great. I can't blame them. Like knowing how many pieces were cut together, I can't even blame them that I can see the doubles. I'm like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> like it's a lot. It's fine. The fact that they had to get Colin four different days for that 10 second, like that's a lot of time to need the first person on the call sheet. Yes. This is an interesting moment. Colin described it as like a character shift. And it really is. Arthur doesn't kill Mordred. First of all, the director privately told Alexander to imagine that he was using his magic to stop Arthur from killing him, which is interesting. It's not written. It was like a, you know, those things that like you say, you choose your own background story if no one gave it to you, but like no one even knows that. Sometimes directors will tell one actor something they're playing that none of the other actors even know exists. Yes. It's secret. It's secret. And it doesn't even mean that it's canon. It just means that like it affects their performance. But the character shift is Merlin's. The first time that we see Merlin aggressively yell at Arthur to kill somebody. Yeah. He's like in the mode of like, you have to kill this person. He's furious. He's like, you had the chance. Why didn't you kill him? Yeah. And I read it as from the character, like the writing point of view. I view it as the desperation of Merlin being like, Things keep happening that keep bringing us towards the vision I saw. The fact that Arthur killed all these other guys and didn't kill him, I think scares Merlin because it makes it feel like something's going on. Again, we, you know, you didn't have the subtext for the legend, but like there's something going on here, like a connection between them. Yeah. And you can see in Arthur's face that he's like, no, I'm not, not going to kill him. And I'm like, for what reason? You don't <laughs> even have a good reason. But why, though? I'm with Merlin. Like, hey, but why, though? I just want to know why. I do like the way it's playing between the two of them because Bradley's having to play like, what is wrong with you? Well, yes, because I would ask the same thing. It's a pretty drastic change of behavior. It is. He's usually like, don't kill that thing. And now he's like, why didn't you kill that guy? You have to kill that guy. Kill that guy. Kill him now. But I bet you're relieved that we go back to the alien. Yes, totally. <laughs> Sorry, it's a DMR. Don't get mad, people. Wayne wakes up and sees the alien. I'm going to call it an alien, and you guys can shout at me on our Instagram. It's okay. I love that Gwen's line is, I've never seen a creature like you before. I'm like, it's because it's an alien. <laughs> and, and the alien goes, you have nothing to fear. And I'm like, I beg to differ. I don't know why you are. You didn't explain anything to me. I trust it as much as I trust any other creature, like the stream where... Lancelot and Merlin were saved by those bubble ladies. The stream gave me an explanation. Uh, look, no, no, I don't have a believable explanation here. Why do you look like that? The stream, they look like water drops. Obviously, you come from the water. I understand. I don't understand why you look like this. I will say it reminds me of those creatures that live in the darkness deep deep called deep the in the oceans they're called alien <laughs> i mean it does remind me of like something that lives in the darkness and has to create its own light like those creatures at the bottom yes, of the ocean yes. so like it lives in the caves they're just luminescence yes yeah they have phospholuminescence and they're just like it lives in the caves there aren't usually this many torches around because people have invaded its caves but usually i'm the light I think it does play beautifully when you get shots of Gwen and Merlin talking to it and the reflection of the lights in their face. I love that. I do too. No, and I like the concept. I really like the concept of this having this creature that has all the knowledge. I really do. Don't hate me, everyone. 
It's just weird because it looks like an alien. Oh, boy. Look. Yeah, no, it's a good concept, and I like the light. I like the light a lot. I get it. It's the shape that you have an issue with. Right. And Gwen is like, oh, okay. I'm going to go back to sleep now. (laughs) Just goes back to sleep. Also, like, this is where it explains the last of my, I'm the last of my kind. It's actually really sad. It is. It's really sad. Oh, sad alien. It is really sad alien. This is where we need to talk about a deleted scene. I, I don't know where it would have landed, but just before now it would have landed. Gwen and Gaius are talking and Sir Leon and Elian turn up. First of all, it's where I really notice that season five upgrades include Sir Leon and Elian and the important knights having a little bit of armor. They're more serious knights now. What this scene is really about, though, Gwen has brought Elian and Sir Leon into her confidence about her plan. Which, again, she's smart unlike Arthur because she's like, hmm, who can I 100% trust? Sir Leon and Elian, my brother and Sir Leon. The right people. (laughs) The people that obviously are faithful. They assure her that every knight in Camelot is on high alert. They haven't been told why, because she doesn't want her plan to get ruined, but they're on the lookout for Rudin. As far as I know, they're just on high alert. And he says every Camelot knight that can be is patrolling and on guard. It's a really good thing they cut this scene because Rudin comes in, (laughs) just gets in, just like any other Merlin episode, we have another one of these shots where he's climbing up the tower and the guards do not even see him. I mean, the angle that they chose for this, it's literally of a guard standing, looking straight forward, thinking about his life, while there's like somebody climbing up the wall. This is the same as the assassin in the jousting episode. Yes, absolutely. It's like the same shot. I was like, knights, I was like, guard is useless. Knights are useless. I mean, thank God they cut that scene because I'm like, if this is on us on high alert, we're in trouble, folks. You know, we should just give up on Camelot and move on. <laughs> just give it to Morgana. <laughs> it's not working. I mean, the one knight tries to stop him in the hall and gets knocked out. A guard dies. Useless. Useless, but like at least they're fighting him. But the outside scenes, I'm like, he just slipped in. Like you guys are on high alert. Are you guard kidding me? didn't move one hair in his body. Just didn't. Just stopped. <laughs> he's just thinking about what he's going to eat when he goes home. Um, I'm almost sure that's not an actual person. It's just a, a life-size. Just like a dummy. They, they dummy of a guard. But they are like, no, just stand here. Other things that happen in the scene, which are very important to this podcast, are that there is an unlocking spell for a door. Someone should teach it to Merlin. Yep. It's like, oh, look, a wizard opened a jail cell. Yeah. You know, he knows. He's opened doors before. You know how I feel about this. I don't have to commentate yes. on this yes, anymore. Yes, I do. <laughs> but, you know, oh, come on. I love that, like, the unlocking spell happens. And then it's like, cue the bells. I love when the bells ring right on time. And I'm like, yes. That's a trope I like. Yes. There's more fights. Again, I'm left asking the same freaking question I always ask again. This is the same as the door. And I'm sorry I have to do it. You're a powerful wizard. Why are you sword fighting a bunch of knights? And of course you got stabbed. And you deserve to be stabbed. Because you could have just used your powers. Okay? Just saying. Way to die. Yeah. He uses his fire spell after he gets stabbed. I'm like, well, that's not. That's too late. After before that's too late i guess that's just poor fighting skills in general just like not knowing how to use your best weapon yeah because he's a good fighter but like if you're surrounded by 
Camelot Knights, like maybe just go for the magic. Who cares how you win? If you're magical, just win with magic and run away. Also, your daughter like stated in court in front of the queen that you're a sorcerer. Like you don't, everyone knows. Yeah, it's okay. You're also like breaking into a castle. You're going to get, if you're caught, even if you didn't have magic, you were going to get thrown in the dungeon anyway because you're invading a castle. The reason I'm really grouchy about it is because uh, Liam Cunningham is great and I wanted him to stay and this was a good character. No. I thought that he was going to say. It's a bummer. It's a bummer to lose him. And Alexander Vlahos was even talking about it. He's like, it's kind of sad that he's only in two episodes. And he even talked about last episode, part one, where he said, the pen dragons are only good for one thing, dying. It's like such a good line. It is such a good line. And he's such a good actor. And I'm sad. I was hoping that he was going to stay for at least a few more episodes, like at least half of the season. But unfortunately, he's dead. Like as Morgana's counterpart. I have to believe it was a scheduling issue at this point. I mean, I have to believe that he was on his way to Game of Thrones. (laughs) He was too busy. Anyway, he uses his last moments on Earth to say goodbye to his daughter and write Morgana a rather long-winded note. I was like, that's a lot of writing for someone who's half dead, which they send by Raven. I think that's the end of Sifa. Like, it kind of feels like she she could come back with a grudge, but I don't mind spoiling this. I don't think she comes back. That's how I felt. I was like, is she going to come back? Is she not going to come back? I might eat my words, but I really don't think so. I don't remember it, if, even if it happened. Season five is hard on my recollection, to be perfectly honest. This is not the season that I recall the most. I'm going to be really, really honest about that to all our listeners. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Well, we'll see. This is the season where I have more questions than answers. Right. So here we go on this journey together. Because I'm like, I'm confused. <laughs> Great. Finally, finally, we're in the same same boat. I'm glad. Yeah. At least something that I can commentate on is this Gwen and Gaia scene. I'm happy we're here. I'm happy to have the two of them together. I love this little vial with a, a prayer in it. I want it. I need it. Props to props. So great. So great. I love the decision to make Gwen look at Gaius and be like, mm, don't bullshit me. You can read Druid. Don't give me like, I'm not Arthur. Let's oh go. My God. Yes. Yes. Somebody had to do that. And thankfully, they made her do that. And I'm so great. Of course, it's Gwen. Gwen's like, don't pretend you don't know this magic stuff in front of me. Like, I'm not do. I'm not a pen dragon from birth. Let's go. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Really, I also am really grateful that in the commentary, Colin had the same reaction as me, where he's like, hey, where'd this new prop come from? I was like, yeah, I love this magnifier and I want it. (laughs) So amazing because the other magnifying. Yeah, I thought about you. With the wire, uh, what I think that I've told you guys is that it didn't really look too good on camera for close-ups. Maybe it didn't look, because with this glass, you can see the as he drags through the paper you can see it magnifying and i think that the other one it's really pretty and it was a really smart design but the actual magnifying glass wasn't great for camera because you it i think things were a little blurry Mm -hmm. so it changed it i mean in three years i'm sure the technology developed in camelot so it's fair that you would have a new magnifying glass new hair new magnifying glass and i love this magnifying glass i thought it looked great Yes, I love it. And there's a discussion between Gwen and Gaius about, she says, I thought druids were peaceful. And he kind of faces her with the fact of like, yeah, but like not everybody. You can't like lump people together like that. And also to a lot of people, things haven't changed. Like magic is still 
illegal. So it's not that different from when Uther was around. Like th- things haven't evolved. Right. And people that have magic, because it's still illegal, they don't believe. Arthur doesn't seem to be doing anything to change that. So they are just assuming. It's been four years. Right. They're just assuming that he's just like his father. That makes 100% sense. I would think the same thing. I mean, he's better in the sense that we know he doesn't hunt them down and go after them and isn't hanging people in the courtyard. And I assume at this point, as the viewer, that Arthur's a little bit like, don't ask, don't tell. Like, just keep it to yourself. Yes. Don't come around Camelot using magic in the middle of the courtyard and I'm not going to come after you. Like, just leave it be. But there's still the realm of possibility that if someone reports you, that it's outlawed. It's not actually allowed. So that doesn't feel any different. Yeah. And then something happens and then I'm confused. Okay. Please correct me, Mila, because no one listens to Kilgara the way you listen to Kilgara. And Kilgara being the deliverer of most prophecies up to this point of Merlin. Right. Gaius's line is, there are those who believe Arthur is destined to die by a druid's hand. Did I miss something in the last four seasons of Merlin where this was a prophecy that we all knew? I didn't know this until last episode. Gaius and Merlin have been separated, so he didn't get it from Merlin. It depends. If you see Kilgara saying, hey, this kid will be the fall of Arthur, if you don't kill him, he's going to become a problem for you. Maybe he's in a veiled way saying he's a druid and he will kill Arthur in the future if you don't kill him right now. Yeah, but then there's the discussion later between Gaius and Merlin, which totally trashes this because he's like, oh, do you think it could be Mordred? No, the, the prophecy was Mordred is going to hurt Arthur, not a druid. And then Ruridan thought it was him. Yes, I agree with that. I'm upset at this point because I'm like, I feel like we're we're scrapping a bit of what's happened up to here and like just retconning some stuff. I totally agree with that because it was because most prophecies in this show are very specific. It's one person against the, the other person and this person is destined to do this and this person will do that. It's not just like a general this this group of people in general, one of them is going to come and kill you. And like, why is there even a need to retcon this prophecy when in the last episode, Merlin saw Mordred killing Arthur? So there's no need to retcon it. We're still saying it's Mordred. It's just really bizarre to me that all of a sudden everyone knows this prophecy that Arthur is going to die. And the thing is, at this point, Merlin hasn't talked to Gaius yet. So I think that this whole dialogue, they didn't have to have this dialogue. It just confused me. Like, it feels like this season's off to start with like a couple of plot holes <laughs> where I'm like wait what yes okay see I feel better it's fine like look the writers made a decision and hoped that the audience would be like they haven't been paying attention that closely sadly we live in an age where we make podcasts about shows and we're like I've listened to every single word you've said and you never said that before and that's wrong <laughs> because the thing is I don't know how Gaius knows this if not even the dragon knew this if not even Kugara knew this, this vision that Merlin just had. Right, and since Merlin didn't know who he saw in the vision, he didn't say, I saw Mordred killing Arthur, to which the dragon could have been like, told you so, which is what we said in the right. last episode. Right. He said, I saw someone. Okay, whatever. You know what? Then there's a not so subtle cut to Mordred <laughs> right after that gets said. <laughs> because at this point, it's in the title. They keep talking about it. You have to be thinking... Arthur's Bane is Mordred, right? Yes. Up to now, yes. I mean, I think that's the point of the whole episode is to have the twist. Right. I do love 
Mordred and his people walking and the Snoopy Merlin and, and Arthur up in the snowbank. They're like just watching. Just a tiny head coming up. I'm like, your hair is very black. Don't do that. People are going to see your head. Everything is white in the snow. Please don't do that. Arthur can get away with it more because he's blonde and the chain mail kind of reflects the snow. But Merlin, with that scarf, you got to you gotta touch. Just don't. I love it. I love that Merlin at this point is still super angry at Arthur. Well, Merlin is like, you would have saved me a lifetime of work if you just had done it. You could have just saved me so much heartache. This is when Arthur's like, oh my God, you know what? There's always a way. Like he's having to be the optimist now. I don't know if you saw this coming. I actually forgot about the sewers. Like basically it's like a garbage shoot. It's a garbage shoot. Yes. I love it. I love the way they basically Bradley played it as Arthur just enjoying this. The misery of Merlin makes him enjoy being in a garbage shoot. He's like, this is fun. It's really a reverse role here because Arthur seems in a very good mood and really like, yep, it just is what it is. We're like doing what we have to do. And Merlin is super annoyed, which is usually Arthur all of the time. Yeah, it's a huge role reversal, this whole setup. I think it plays great. I think so, too. I think it works. It really does. Because it's kind of, again, we, we're playing with that idea that only one person can panic at a time in a relationship. Well, like in this relationship, one of them has to be the cheer and the other one has to be the, the miserable just, one. The miserable, down in the mouth, annoying, like angry one. <laughs> There's only one way this goes. And it's that dynamic. Up in the magic window, Morgana sees Mordred. There's a moment that I love so much here and I know you love it. She comes downstairs and Ragnar is talking to her and she just gives him the look of death. <laughs> he just, I love this decision. He just stops talking. And she moves on to more important things. She does. I just love the way Katie played it, the way Steven played it. Just this like, uh-oh. It's great because she doesn't say anything. That's the best part of it. Yeah, she's walking by him and just like throws her glance like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> He's like, never mind. I love her dress. I love her dress. I think it's amazing. This is the same dress. It's just that you get to see it a lot clearer. Yeah, it like in the daylight in the in close-ups. And I love it. Like all of the lace, all of those like ropes there tied around. Love it. I think it's awesome. It's because the hovel was so dark. You couldn't really see the details. On this one, I could really notice all of the little details on the dress. And costume design did a beautiful job. Yeah, it's a great one. Morgana's actually like, I can't remember the last time we saw her smile. She's super happy to see Mordred. Oh my God. She's almost back to being a normal person and enjoying the presence of another human being. Yeah. I mean, a lot of her character evolution is the telling of the story of someone who has no love in their life. They go, this is like, yeah, they go and have dinner time with Mordred and Morgana. He's excited. He's eating. He's happy. And then Morgana goes total crazy pants. This is where you start to see Mordred being a little concerned with who she's become. Yep. He's taken aback. It's like, wait, who are you? You were not the same person who saved me. I mean, it's been many years for them. It's been at least seven, eight years. She was someone who was so caring and so motherly to him, so sweet and heartfelt. And now she she did that crazy acting where she, like her eyes were really wide and she was like, I have to kill Arthur. There's only one solution. It's killing everybody. And he's like, okay. Yeah, she flips out at him because she's like, you let him go. Like, we have to kill him. I want his head and a spike. I want to see, like, birds eating his eyes. It's like, wow, very descriptive. Thank you very much. 
And it reminds me of my favorite Morgana line of the whole show, which is always, I'd rather drown in my own blood than see that day. And I'm always like, oh, I okay. saw that line in another movie the other day and I thought of you. That's so funny. I love it because it's just so dramatic. It is so dramatic. I do resent Mordred for a second here because his reaction on the table, he goes, control yourself. And I'm like, oh my God, if something said that to me, I would cut your head off. Don't tell me to control myself. Don't tell me to come down. You just got here. You don't know what's happening. My life has been hell for the past six years now. It's like you flip over to Morgana's side for a second. He does. He says, calm yourself. Although that irritated me a lot. And I'm not on Morgana's side. I was like, do not say that. Never tell anyone who's angry to calm down. Literally, I've had fights with people where they tell me to calm down. I'm like, and I will stop in the middle of the fight and be like, never ever tell somebody to calm down. It does not work. It's literally not the thing to say. But I actually, because he's so young-faced here... I want to punch him in the face. I actually read is really genuine to me, like, okay, like, you're talking about murdering people. Like, please calm down. <laughs> like, I actually felt it really genuine, like, okay, I'm scared of you. Please stop. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, like, I felt a little bit of her. I understand both sides. You know? You know. No, I get it. I get it. What's happening, meanwhile, is that Merlin and Arthur find Percy, which, of course, they find him first. He's rather big. The bells start ringing right on cue as Mordred and Morgana are having this fight. And she's like, it's time. It's Arthur. Back in the caves, it's alien time. But now Gwen is protecting the Diamere. Gwen is so protective of this creature that's so strange that I have a moment of, like, Merlin needs to tell Gwen that he has magic. Like, immediately. He would accept it in a second. Yes, he would. I thought the same thing. He doesn't care. He makes no judgments. Gwen is a zero judgment zone. Yes, it's it's so sweet the way that he talks to the Daimere, saying, they're friends, they're good friends, they're not going to hurt you. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. I think it's very sweet. It's very sweet. I love how everyone plays it. I love that they don't even know what this thing is going to look like, clearly, because Colin didn't know. Arthur's playing the what-the-fuck face. And as is everybody else watching this show. Thank you. Merlin's playing the ooh face. What's that? Oh. And then when he actually saw the episode, he played the what the fuck face with everyone else, everyone else, with all of us. I can't say what Colin's face was, but I do love that he was just like, oh, like he's just surprised. He was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> as they're doing this little meetup, Percival's leading the revolt, which forces me to pose the question were they just waiting for arthur to show up i'm like you could have just done this that is mine that's exactly my notes percival is leading the revolution here he is and i'm like is it because arthur brought you a sword because i promise you could have done this with your fist and taken a sword from the guy you're enormous <laughs> you're very big i just don't understand it forces me to be like the nitpicky jerk about this and be like you could have just broken out alone i'm good Fine. This is what happened. I'm on board. I'm on board. I swear, everybody. I'm on board. Now, Merlin, Arthur, and Gwen are making their way through the caves. And then Merlin starts to, like, feel something. I don't know if you knew what was coming. He goes, there's wind. Feel the air. He's like, that's not wind. And, like, an Ithusa train comes through, just busting fire, like, just walking by. I just love that line from Arthur. It's so honest. He's like, where'd Morgana get a dragon from? Which was our reaction last, like, you know, we're like, God damn it. Correct. We had this question last episode. I agree with you. I mean, we know the origins, but I love the, 
It's a half lie, half truth for Merlin because he doesn't know where Morgana got Ithusa. He just knows that he he's the one that brought Ithusa into the world. And I love this. I don't know. Weird, right? <laughs> like, oh, no. I have nothing to do with it. Totally not my fault. Didn't, didn't cause this to happen. It wasn't me. I swear. Merlin, as per usual, tries to get away from Arthur here so he can go take care of some dragon lord business. He's like, I am that stupid when he says you can't be that stupid to go put yourself in front of a dragon he's like i am bye and of course arthur always revealed for his true nature he's like well i have to go after merlin to which queen is probably like yes please go i would just be here where i am i'm gonna go back to sleep i need to rest a little more merlin gets a moment with ithusa and it's really heartbreaking it's so sad even the way ithusa doesn't want to leave he's like you have to go and the discovery that she can't talk just her face. She looks in pain. She looks like she's had like terrible experiences. Her face is all sunk in. It's just, it's just so sad. And when finally she finds him, I think that you can see that she trusts him to take care of her. And she doesn't want to leave. She doesn't want to go because she knows that she's probably going to have to go back to Morgana. Which I think Ithusa is faithful to Morgana because they've gone through a terrible experience together. But the second Merlin's here, that's who you want to be with. Because Merlin is like, it's kind of like an imprinting with like birds. Like Merlin's kind of her dad. It's sad. I'm like, can't you just hide her somewhere? Can't you just tell her to go to Camelot? Right. Tell her to hide and then tell her to come with you and call the other dragon. Like call Kilgara to take her to Camelot. Come on. This is a point where I just, my heart is like, the, these writers are mean. They're mean. And they're doing this on purpose to hurt me and all the viewers and they're mean. I felt really bad. It's a huge, huge bummer. I really, from a writing standpoint, I'm like, why are you doing this to us? What's the purpose of this pain that you're causing me right now? Question. Anyway, the note that I have for Arthur here is like, hey, Arthur, you want to sneak around the caves yelling Merlin? (laughs) That's the note that I have. Shut up. Like, what are you doing? We were just whispery sneaking around and now you're like, Merlin! (laughs) My notes are literally, Arthur, shut up. Just like he says, Merlin, shut up. It's the opposite right now. Obviously, Morgana found you. Are you kidding me? She's like, thanks. (laughs) She even says, thank you for making that easy. Why don't you yell Merlin a little louder? (laughs) It's actually hilarious. I'm like, what's with you today? So Morgana's here and... I don't think it's expected in this episode to have a face-off between Morgana and Merlin, even though Merlin kept saying it this whole journey, like, we can't face Morgana. Yeah, I don't think I expected that. Also, because there's a lot of things going on. It's too many things. When he says we're brother and sister, it's almost weird to hear a character in the show say it out loud. Yeah. And she's after him with this dagger. She actually manages to knock Merlin out for once. Because Merlin is so concussed, he can't perform magic right now. Yes. Which all sets up who has to save Arthur at this point. How surprised were you that Mordred literally stabs Morgana in the back? So I was not that surprised. Towards the end of the scene, I started to feel like he was behind her. He was he was giving her all sorts of weird looks. And I I thought that that was a possibility. I didn't know it was actually going to happen, but it was one of the possibilities in my head. Well, it does happen. It does. Here's where I really make the decision to hate Mordred. And I know everyone's going to be like, you already hated Mordred when he was like 
seven, eight years old. You did. <laughs> no, this is why. This moment is why I hated him even back then. Hey, thanks for making a big show of saving Arthur in front of all the knights and leaving Merlin to die, I guess, on the floor, whatever. He just leaves. He looks behind him. He doesn't go back for Merlin. I'm supposed to believe he's good intent. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even think about that. That makes sense. This is like the thing that sticks out to me. I'm like, well, I can't believe you're such a great guy because you're like, you know that Merlin's, none of them know. Gwen and Percival, they don't know Merlin's knocked out back there. If they did, one of them would go pick him up. Yeah. And I know we need the scene with the Diamere and Merlin to happen. If you want me to believe Mordred could be good, you have to make sure that Mordred has to walk Mer- uh, Arthur all the way out. Right, right. And then it says, I have to go back for Merlin or someone has to go back for Merlin. No, just pieces out, looks behind him knowing what just happened. I agree with that. Now that you pointed it out, that makes sense. This is where I make up my mind. That's the moment where I'm like, okay, no. No to you. <laughs> anyway, back where Merlin is, he gets to meet the DMR one-on-one. It heals Merlin, and he figures it out right away. You are the key. I don't know if that was obvious to you this whole time. <laughs> I mean, I figured because... I don't think, I didn't think that they were actually looking for an actual key. I think that maybe that's what Morgana was expecting, but you know. I mean, they're breaking stones. They're probably looking for like a tablet, like right, right. key to knowledge, right? Like, like something that explains things. Yes. Or like a crystal, some divining object. The most heartbreaking thing Merlin says is actually, there are times I feel the weight of my destiny crushing me, which bums me out. It's a good line. It's such a good line. While the Diamere calls him wise for not wanting to know anything, he's like, actually, wait, I do need to know one thing. What is Arthur's bane? How surprised were you to find out that we've been right this whole time? Arthur's problem is Arthur. It's yourself. Because what does it cut to? Cuts to Arthur knighting Sir Mordred. Yes. It's the decisions to keep pulling people close to him that ultimately are meant to hurt him. He's not, he's not very good at judging other people and whoever he puts down by his side. It's hard because he does trust Merlin, but that didn't come lightly. No, it didn't. It's frustrating. We're seeing like he saved Arthur once and he gets knighted. Merlin has saved him like a thousand times and nothing. And Alexander and Colin were talking about how that plays into the dynamic of like after he gets knighted and he has a scene with Merlin. Oh, I'm so happy you got this huge reward from one time of doing this. I've been spending the last 10 years doing it. And I have to take your cape off now. But there's, they were talking about the power dynamic they decide to play as actors, where he's a knight, Merlin's a servant, but they're both important to Arthur. But also, Mordred is aware that he's Emrys, the most powerful person in the world. Yes. And that's why I also think that Mordred is not showing us 100% of what his intention is here. Because I think that he adjusts his actions in the way that he behaves because of this very powerful information that he has. It's interesting because before he even sees, you know, he comes out of being knighted. And by the way, what did we all see when he was being knighted? Excalibur. Yes, we did see Excalibur. Hey, Arthur and everyone making Merlin, that's a fighting sword, not like a ceremony sword. Also... Him being knighted, I go back to last episode and I'm like, oh, now the vision makes sense because they were dressed like that. They were dressed in Camelot armor in a battlefield. And I was like, oh, it's coming true anyways. 
It's all very stressful. I do feel a second for Mordred because, and I can tell Alexander's playing it real here. He's happy. He's excited. He's like this young guy getting knighted. He comes into the room and there's like a moment of creepy Merle's. Like he's taking on the, he's like just standing there watching. I'm like, I hate you so much. You know, I believe that he feels accomplished. Of course. Alexander's saying he's playing it straight. Like he believes that he's following Arthur. And they have this whole discussion because Merlin says, if Arthur knew you had magic, things would be very different. Which brings us to the biggest plot hole in this whole show. Does Arthur have freaking amnesia? He knew him. He knows he's a druid. This is something that is discussed in the fandom at large. This is a this is a plot hole you can drive a truck through. He knows he's a druid. He saved him as a kid. Arthur doesn't remember anything. They all remember this, except for Arthur. He went and divided his father. I thought about that because when he said that, I was like, they met before. They met before. It makes no sense. I'm so angry. <laughs> There's no forgiving this plot hole because unless you're telling me Arthur has brain damage from all the concussions, there's no way he doesn't remember. He was stuck in a sewer defying his father, freeing this kid, waiting for Merlin to come bail them out. Yes. It was a whole operation to free this kid. He either forgot the entire incident happened, which is not believable at all. And if you remember the incident, you have to remember he's a druid because that's the reason you were saving him. <laughs> that's the reason your father wanted to kill him. I mean, I, I tried to find other explanations. I can't. There are none. It's a plot hole. Uh, plot hole hoy. Here we go. Just dead ahead. Here it is. I told you this is the plot hole of the show. We're just gonna have to live with it because it is what it is. So Mordred in this scene is saying all the right things. But I think we're with Merlin here where we're like, well, you're saying things that I want to hear. And you're with Arthur and Morgana's bad and love is good. But also like Merlin has the vision. Like he just sees a future unfolding before him and every day things keep happening that keep going towards that. Yeah. I love that Alexander and Colin were talking in the commentary about how he played it straight here and then the, the directors left that shot of him after Merlin walks away and they left it ambiguous which it wasn't to him as an actor and they did both say he's like but no smirks no evil smirks and they both said step away from the smirks like they're not no more smirking. <laughs> no more. Don't do that. I love it. I like, feel like I want a t-shirt that says step away from the smirks. At least it's been a long time. Oh my God. So long. Dinner time with Gaius and Merlin. Hooray. And Gaius made Merlin's favorite, which we finally found out is pudding. I love it. I love it. Looks good also. It does. For Americans, it makes no sense because that's like a bread pudding. That's a British thing. <laughs> you got to watch Great British Bake Off. Yes, you do. It's very fun. It is fun. And then you really get to understand what pudding is when British people are talking. Again, we go through this like, oh, don't you remember Kilgara said Arthur would meet his end at the hands of a druid? I'm like, no, this is where I get really mad. I'm like, no, Merlin, he didn't say that. I'd like to talk to the writers right now. I would be ecstatic to be proven wrong about that. But until someone can show me the scene where Kilgara said that this retcon is not okay. I mean... I only, I've only seen this show once, so it's going to be pretty hard for me to remember, although I love Kogara, it's going to be pretty hard for me to remember everything that he said. I don't think that I heard this ever. And it's also confusing to me because like, this is all, and you feel that it's Mordred? Yes! The prophecy was Mordred is going to hurt. Because that's what he said. The dragon said Mordred. 
Also, I'm like, Merlin, you want to bring up the fact that you saw Mordred killing Arthur in a vision? Just real quick. I don't know how to feel. I mean, there's a lot of plot holes, but I'm still interested to know where this season is going. I think they've started this season with plot holes to be like, we're going this direction. And whatever plot holes that causes for the past. Yeah, but come on. Because at this moment, I'm like, tell guys about your vision. And I leave it with the note, I'm so confused. And I don't know. In my opinion, they didn't have to make this about the druid. They could have cut that conversation between Gaius and Gwen and just said nothing else. And just had dinner time with Gaius Merlin being about, remember when Kilgara said to me that Mordred was going to I had a vision and now he's a knight, so we should keep an eye on him, just like the usual, you know? Look, I still think it's a great episode. Oh, I do too. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the episode as it stands like an episode, but I am confused about why certain decisions were made to like steer away from things that were explicitly said and then show us an explicit vision of that thing and then being like, like even the conversation last episode with Kilgara, couldn't it have just been like, hey, remember when you told me Mordred? <laughs> He's back now. And Kilgara's like, yeah, I told you so. I don't think that would have changed the setup for the season. No, I don't either. I just think it's unnecessary to bring a whole new prophecy that was not announced in the past four seasons to the beginning of the fifth season. And it's a prophecy that doesn't change much. It's just the wording. It doesn't change anything. He's still a druid. He's like the prophecy about Mordred was already there. You, you guys had already set up this beginning of the fifth season. You just didn't have to change it. It's not necessary. To which I can feel people saying to us like, well, then you just let it go because it's not that different. I'm like, yeah, but like, it, I'm not, you know, you gotta, you gotta have the rules set and you know how I am about rules. No, because if it's not that different, the person who did the job shouldn't have done the job in the first place. And now I have to hold on to this because you did the wrong thing. I don't know if I can forgive the pothole of Mordred and, and, but it's really the prophecy stuff that gets me that I'm like, why did we do this? Like, it was fine. <laughs> It's hard. For a second, I was going, I thought that Mordred was going to just get together with Morgana and that I would believe. But having him in the castle and just everyone just pretends that he doesn't have magic. Well, Merlin knows and Arthur should know. And Gaius knows. Gwen knows too, no? She was there. Oh yeah, Gwen nursed the kid. <laughs> Hello? Everyone knows. Literally everyone. <laughs> Except for Sir Leon, he's forgiven. You know what I think is really funny is that Alexander pointed out that this is the only time they ever call him Sir Mordred during his knighting. And then he's like, actually, I think the only one anyone calls Sir is Leon. And everybody else just is the name. And then it's always Sir Leon. It's Alien, Gwen, Percival, Sir Leon. <laughs> Accurate. And that's the way it should be forever. Let's be honest. There's only one knight in Camelot. <laughs> that's Sir Leon. Okay. Well... Elsewhere in this universe, the real end is that Morgana's trudging. Th she's been, I don't know how many times. She's like the bad guy in a horror movie where like you keep killing them and they don't die. <laughs> I'm like, stab harder, guys. Stab harder. I mean, and poor Ethusa is with her. I just feel so much for this animal. I feel a lot for this, this creature they've created that's so sad to me. It's just a product of Morgana's terrible life decisions that Ethusa suffers, I feel like. What's really interesting to me is like, I love, I know that they probably just wanted the shot of her trudging through the snow, right? But I'm also like, shouldn't you just stayed in the castle until you were healed? <laughs> like you were right under it. I mean, she's crazy in the head, so. <laughs> she is. 
She's like mad. She's like mad with power and all kinds of past resentment and trauma. So, I mean, go walk around. Who knows? Maybe it's better for you. Like I said before, this is the Morgana is crazy pants episode. So here we are. It's very, it's a big setup. This is a, it's a lot <laughs> that we unpacked here. I think it's a good episode. It was a, this two-parter unpacks so much. I mean, you got to like introduce Morgana's whole new life, Mordred, Gwyneth's queen. I think it's so much and it's so much that I have to let go from these two episodes that I'm just ready to move forward. Speaking of forward, next week on Merlin. <gasps> Uther's back. That is amazing. Not only was this my favorite commentary, this is my favorite preview. This is like, it is really good. Like the, just like the shots of people. It wasn't a lot. And it was just like. It's just like, puh, one person, puh, the other person. Like Gwen gets dragged around. The light falls. Like it's just like a haunting. No one's saying anything. It is. It's like a horror movie. It's like a horror movie. And then the words come like, I know it's you, father. And the <gasps> shadow. And you don't even know if he's right. I, I hope that he is. I think that they would bring Anthony Head back for one last episode this last season. Come on. <laughs> How can we get Anthony back as a ghost? <laughs> Come on. So your heart is set. I'm not going to say either way. I'm just saying all you saw was a shadow. Uh, I will be disappointed. So you have your heart set on Anthony yeah. Head as a ghost. I understand. I will be disappointed, I think. After that preview, it would be really mean for them to be like, it's Uther and then be like, just kidding. Just kidding. It's somebody else's ghost. I'll put this out there. It could be Uther. It could be an entity pretending to be Uther. Even if it, well, Anthony Head would have to play him anyway. I had to deal with an alien. I'm not trying to buy anything disguised as something else. Like we just have to be straightforward from here on. I can't do this anymore. Oh boy. I'll see you in season. I'll see you in episode five. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know what to do. God. I'm just trying to prepare you emotionally for what, for what, episode five does psychologically to the viewers of this show because <laughs> i don't want you texting me during episode five being like what the fuck because <laughs> you're gonna i will text you even if you warn me i will text you and you know that i always do i do know that but i'm equally as excited for the next episode of merlin as uh, you are yay okay amazing we'll see you next time thanks for listening see ya